How's it going, everybody? My name is Josh, and welcome to Coffee in the News, the podcast where we talk about the week's news with a small hint of conservative in it. So critical race theory is one thing that's kind of been on the on the um, in the news really, really often, and I think it's something that's we've talked about it in, in the past couple of of episodes. It's kind of funny because you know the first couple of episodes we talked about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, or excuse me, not Brett Kavanaugh, Andrew Cuomo, and now we're not even talking about him. It's kind of like he just went right under the radar, and instead, uh, critical race theory uh, went into Cuomo's spot. So. There's two states that recently this this week that recently banned uh, a critical race theory. Uh, Georgia's one of them, and Florida's one of them. So, according to the patch, the Cobb County School District Board of Education members approved a resolution a resolution Thursday along party lines prohibiting the teaching of critical race theory or the New York Times 1619 Project curriculum. Board Chair Randy. Scamblinhorn said he brought the resolution forward after the Georgia Board of Education banned the use of critical race theory in Georgia schools last week, as well as after seeing several district employees claim on social media to have already used the theory in their classrooms. Critical race theory is an academic concept that says racism is not just an individual bias, uh, biases or prejudice, but about how racism is embedded into the state and country's legal systems, policies, and practices. Uh, for Florida, this is Fox News. The Florida Board of Education on Thursday approved a rule that Governor Ron DeSantis advanced in order to ban teaching certain ideas about race and history. The rules reads, here's the, uh, what it says, instruction on the required topics must be factual and objective and may not suppress or distort significant historical events such as the Holocaust Holocaust, and may not define American history as something other than the creation of a new nation based largely on universal principles stated in the Declaration of Independence. The rule came as part of a broader push by DeSantis and other Republicans to eliminate, eliminate what they say are manifestations of critical race theory in schools. DeSantis's office told Fox News that the rule excludes the term quote-unquote critical race theory because CRT isn't the only issue. So this is just something that's really good to see in our state. We're seeing that our parents' voices are actually being heard, and we see that these states agree with them and, say, are, and are saying that, yeah, critical race theory is it shouldn't be taught in our schools. And um, it, it's just really cool to see that. And And Every single week, we see a new parent who spoke out against critical race theory or, or any other topic who spoke out against it, and, and, and we're seeing parents who are, 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 are agreeing with them. There's English for y'all. Uh, and so I totally agree that we just need to stop teaching uh, uh, theories as facts on Florida's end, and I think it was a smart move to not put C critical race theory in there, in that law. I think it was great to add that, uh, to take that off, because there are some theories that we're teaching in our schools as facts. Uh, one of them I can think of right now is evolution. You know, that's a theory. And, and, and that theory has been taught as a fact in our schools. And, and that's one thing that I think we need to stop, you know. And, and now we're seeing this with critical race theories. Eventually, it's no longer going to be taught as a theory. It's going to be taught as a fact. 
So good job on Florida. Good job on Georgia uh, on, on banning critical race theory. I believe there's a total of, of 12 uh, states who ban critical race theory, and the first state to do so was Idaho. And, and so just great job on these states. And hopefully other states will follow along and ban CRT as well. A few weeks ago, Kamala Harris announced that she was going to go to a, a lot of these countries where a lot of these illegal migrants are, uh, have traveled from. So uh, she was at Guatemala this week, and she was also at Mexico for her whole border trip. And yet we still haven't seen her come to go to the border. We haven't seen her do such a thing yet. I, I don't think it's even in her agenda. And according to Newsmax, Vice President Kamala Harris offered an optimistic outlook for improved cooperation with Guatemala on addressing the spike in migration to the U.S. After her meeting on Guatemalan president with Guatemalan President Alejandro Guillemetti on Monday, she also delivered a direct warning to migrants considering making the trek. Here's her quote: "Do not come. Do not come here." End quote. Her comments during a press conference after she privately with the Guatemalan president underscored the challenge that remains even as Harris engages in substantive talks with the Guatemalan and Mexican presidents during a three-day visit to the regions this week, her first foreign trip as vice president. Here's a quote. I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home, end quote, Harris said. And uh, at the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making the dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. In conjunction with Harris's trip, the Biden administration announced that the Justice Department would create an anti-corruption task, for- task force and an additional task force to combat human trafficking and drug smuggling in the region. Harris also promised a new program focused on creating education and and economic opportunities for girls there, among other new initiatives. But for all the talk about new ways to cooperate, reigning in corruption and improving uh, living conditions in the region have been long-running challenges that previous administrations have been unable to achieve in their efforts to stem the tide of migration in in the United States. Part of the challenge remains that despite the best efforts of U.S. officials' corruption under pins many of the region's governments. Indeed, Guillemiade, I don't know how to say his last name, himself, the, the president of Guatemala himself, has faced criticism over his handling of the issue. So first off, telling them not to come is not, it's not going to help. You know, I've, we've said this before, is that telling them not to come is like a parent opening the door, telling their kid, don't go outside, uh, the kid, of course, is going to go outside. And so telling them not to come, it's not going to help. It, it is not going to help. Second off, the, the problem, it, it, it's it's not sex trafficking or even drug trafficking. I mean, those are a pretty big problem uh, uh, that I think we see a lot of people cross the border. But the main problem, uh, I believe, uh, for most Guatemalans and, and, and Mexicans is they make less money than we do, right? They make a lot less money. And and the reason why I say that is because there is a Fox News interview and they ask Guatemalans, you know, have they thought about making the trek to the United States? A huge handful of them said yes. And, and when they asked, okay, why? A huge handful of them said, 
because of the money. And so I think that's a big issue is they're not getting the money, a lot of money. They're in a terrible country where, uh, as, as Newsmax said, there's a lot of corruption. And I agree with there's a lot of corruption. And, and I think that's one thing that we definitely need to fix. Uh, um, finally, it's for Harris, you cannot fix what you don't see, what you cannot see, right? You cannot fix what you do not see. And so Harris does, did not see the border, and she can't fix it because she hasn't seen it with her own two eyes. She hasn't seen it. And so you cannot fix that. I, I, you know how I was saying that even if she was going to say this, that n- nobody would listen? Well, sure enough, nobody listened. Uh, and on the 10th of June, uh, we actually got uh, May's numbers of how many people came to the United States illegally. Uh, and that to- total number was more than 180,000 migrants. And so this is according to Fox News. More than 180,000 migrants were encountered attempting to get into the U.S. via the southern border in May alone, Customs and Border Protection CBP announced Wednesday. The latest sign of a continuing continuing and unrelating, r- unrelenting crisis at the, so- at the southern border. CBP said that 180,034 migrants were encountered along the border, an increase over the 178,000 encountered in April, and 173,000 were encountered in March, all representing the highest number in years. March saw a big increase from the 100,000 migrants encountered in February. The numbers are even more staggering compared to previous years. May 2020 saw just over 23,000 migrant encounters, with approximately 144,000 in May 2019. The surge in migration has overwhelmed border officials and led to the Biden administration scrambling to set up facilities at the border and elsewhere in the United States. It has been releasing uh, migrant families' units into the interior, often without court dates, due to Mexico's refusal to take back families with small children. So we're still not seeing any Harris. We're still not seeing any Biden administration to the border. And and it's just terrible. It, it, it is terrible. These numbers are staggering, and yet Kamala Harris hasn't done anything. The only thing she's done is have dinner and talk to the president of Mexico and, and of... Uh, not Venezuela, of Guatemala. She's talked to them and she's trying to figure out, you know, what the problem is. And yet she hasn't even seen the problem at our own border yet. She hasn't seen it. Um, She was, she had an interview with someone and that person who gave the interview asked, have you gone to the border? And she goes, we've been to the border. And she, and then the reporter clarified and said, but you haven't gone to the border. And she goes, well, I haven't gone to Europe yet either. She did that weird laugh that she has, and she goes, I don't understand the question. I think the question is clear. If you're going to try and fix the border, have you gone to the border yet? That's the clear question, and, and she just hasn't done it. And and these numbers are showing that there's nothing. It's not going to – nothing's going to happen. If you tell them not to come – they're still going to come in in big numbers. And I think that's one thing that, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on as well. And that these numbers are going to be worse and worse and worse because the the, uh, CBP doesn't have help right now. And, and the wall isn't being built right now from the Biden administration. It's just terrible to see. 
So we're talking, we've talked about the migrants crossing the border, right? But I don't think we've really talked about the people who live at border states. Uh, and so we see that there is a vote going on and we see in Texas and we see that Texas Latinos voted for a Republican mayor. It's, it's kind of unheard of. According to Newsweek, the city of McAllen, Texas, a border town that went for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump by 40 points in 2016, just elected a Republican mayor. Javier Villalobos defeated Democratic Veronica Vela Whitaker by 216 votes in a runoff election over the weekend, according to unofficial election results reported by KRGV. Votes will be canvassed and certified by city officials on June 14th. Vilio Lobos, an attorney and former chairman of Texas Vidalgo County Republican Party, thanked his supporters and campaign members following his narrow victory. Thank you, McAllen, for trusting and believing in me. I promise to not let you down, he added. Villa Lobos' win is part of a growing trend in incremental uh, conservative success in South Texas, a usual Democratic stronghold and majority Hispanic area. McAllen is home to roughly 150,000 resident, residents, of whom 80% are Latino. So I think this is something that we're going to constantly see, right? As, as the uh, primary elections in 2022 are coming up slowly, but surely they're coming, I think we're going to constantly see this. I think we're going to see that those who voted for Biden and, and, and Democratic leaders are, are going to eventually see. I think we're already seeing this. I think they see... How, how they made a terrible decision. I think they're going to see that the Democrats haven't done anything for them. I think they're going to see how Biden hasn't done anything. And the one thing that he did is, is get rid of stuff that actually worked from the Trump administration. I think we're going to see that. And I think they're going to, and instead of voting for that, I think they're going to vote for uh, conservative leaders, for uh, Republican leaders, right? I think the other thing too is this is a border town. And, and with that being said, I think they took a look at, and, and saw how their Democratic mayor did not do anything with this border crisis. And instead, they voted for a conservative who believed that stuff is going to get done. Stuff is going to get done. And so keep an eye on that as well, guys. Keep an eye and, and see. Ask around. Okay, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? And see, you know, what they think. I Because I, chances are, that if they were Democrats, unless they're the really hardcore Democrats, but if they were, if they voted Democrat and they take a look at what's going on right now, chances are they're going to change their mind and say, man, I should have voted for Trump because he would have gotten a lot of stuff done and he would have kept the border safe and secure. In last week's episode, we talked about Tanner Cross. We talked about how he uh, was lost his job essentially because he spoke out against the LGBTQ community when he was A, not on the clock, and B, when he said it in a teacher's, uh, a teacher's board meeting. And so this week, we see that he was reinstated from the court of Virginia, and that he's, he basically got his job back. And so according to Fox News, the organization representing Tanner Cross praised Tuesday's decision, which required Loudoun County Public Schools, LCPS, to end the suspension it imposed on him after he made controversial comments about gender. I think the court backed this up on its conjunction ruling that the First Amendment while will trump political correctness every time. Alliance Defending Freedom attorney Ryan Bangert, Bangart 
uh, said Thursday. He told Fox News' uh, Gillian Turner that all across the country there is the push for the move to politicize our public school system for the purpose of injecting these, these woke ideals into our educational system. And I don't think that's a good idea. ADF President and CEO Michael Ferris similarly said, Nobody should be punished for expressing concern about a proposed government policy, especially when the government invites comment on that policy. For that reason, we are pleased at the court's decision to halt Loudoun County uh, Public Schools' retaliation against Tanner Cross while his lawsuit continues. Educators are just like everything else. Everyone else, they have ideas and opinions that should be free to express, advocating for solutions they believe it should not cost them for their jobs. So this brings us hope, right? Because of Tanner, we now see multiple teachers and parents speak out against uh, uh, certain topics. And, and he helped wake these parents up. And, and because of that, I, we're gonna, I, I said again, you know, again, we're going to see other teachers and parents who are going to speak up. And, and, their, and, and their voices will be heard. And I think this is something that's just really cool to see. I mean, there's still the lawsuit going on. And I still think that they're going to win. Even though he got reinstated, that's that's good news, and and we always look for good news, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Last week was Fauci's texts, or excuse me, last week was Fauci's emails. This week was Hunter Biden's texts, according to Fox News. Quote: New newly uncovered text messages from first son Hunter Biden are another example of the Biden family's history of white privilege and derogatory attitude towards African-Americans. New York Post columnist Miranda Devine said Tuesday on Hannity in a damning text reported by the London Daily Mail. The younger Biden, 51 years old, routinely messaged his $845 per hour attorney, attorney George Mazires, uh, referencing references to the n-word quote how much money do you owe because blank you better not be charging me NSE rates uh another one hunter said in one exchange in another conversation hunter made a joke about his genitals before closing with quote i only love you because you are black and true that blank mazirs is white Divine called the text another example of biden privilege and white privilege and told hannity that if the messages were written by Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump, they would not receive such light coverage as they have thus far. I, I totally agree. Uh, this just shows uh, how the news outlets are completely hypocritical. Completely hypocritical. They say one thing uh, against Trump when, uh, when tr- you know, I think a good example is when Trump was throwing uh, a fish food and, and dumped it to the fish, right? He got a whole bunch of criticism for that, right? And, and and when they asked Biden what his favorite favorite flavor of ice cream was, no criticism whatsoever. No criticism. It, it, it completely flips. It flips. There's a lot of criticism on the conservatives, and there's no criticism on the Democrats. It, it just flips, and and it just comes to show how uh, a favoritism is on. Is, is on the news outlets, right? A lot of favoritism for the Democrats and, and and not for the Republicans. It's just, it's it's hypocrisy. Uh, that's what it is. It, it is complete hypocrisy. 
Speaking about this hypocrisy of the news outlets, there's also hypocrisy with our with the Democrats and with the Republicans. So I think a good example of, of this is what happened is with what happened when Biden began his eight tour, eight day tour to Europe for the G7 summit, right? And so we see that he was on this G7 summit, and there is some controversy between Omar and the Democratic Party. According to Fox News, President Biden kicked off a series of get-togethers with world leaders Thursday in England's Carbis uh, Bay, uh, a scenic seaside resort town where he met uh, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson ahead of the G7 summit. The scene was perhaps a welcoming, uh, was perhaps a welcome respite for the president from the brutal battlefield of domestic politics, especially as House Democrats were in the midst of some of the worst intra-party sniping they've seen in years. Tensions between moderate and Jewish Democrats and squad members like Ilhan Omar uh, exploded into the open this week over recent comments she made apparently comparing the United States and Israel to Hamas. A group of moderate Democrats lambasted Omar for her statement in a joint press release prompting Omar Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other squad members to fire back accusing those Democrats of Islamophobic tropes. Uh, putting Omar in danger, and more. The conflict began brewing Monday when Omar tweeted about unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban, after making similar comments in a committee hearing. It reached its peak, peak Wednesday and Thursday when the group of moderates, including Representative Josh uh, Gothimir, uh, Jake Alikalos, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and eight others lit into Omar in a scathing statement. So again, it just comes to show, it's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. Nancy Pelosi spoke out on this, and and, and she goes, well, Omar has the right to say whatever she, it's in our amendments, the freedom of speech, and she has that freedom to say whatever the heck she wants to say. And, and we just haven't seen the Democrats really push into Omar, I guess you can say, as much as they pushed into Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene said some some wacky stuff. She said some wacky stuff, and she got in trouble for it. And when Ilhan Omar says something wacky, and, and I believe this is something that's wacky as well, is she didn't get in trouble for it. There's there's not even a lot of criticism for it. For it. As a matter of fact, her, her members even backed her up. And, and it's because they're on the Dems' side, and, and the Democrats like to play dirty. Uh, they like to play dirty. When their team members get in trouble, they 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 kind of try and sweep it under the rug. But when a Republican gets in trouble, they politicize it and they make it like it's a big deal. When in reality, it's not a big deal, and it's just because they like to play dirty. And and that's something that we're not we're not going to stop seeing for a while. This week, Biden uh, removed a ban on China tech. And, uh, and so, according to The Verge, President Joe Biden signed an executive order Wednesday revoking the Trump-era bans on TikTok and WeChat. In place of the Trump order, Biden will direct the Commerce Secretary and investigate apps to investigate apps with ties to foreign adversaries that may pose a risk to American data privacy or national security. The order takes place takes the place of a series of executive orders instituted by President Trump last year which blocked apps like TikTok, WeChat, and Alipay from U.S. app stores and took further measures to prevent them from operating in the U.S. 
The most extreme effects of the of those orders were forestalled by ongoing court challenges. But Wednesday's order will revoke the orders outrage outed orders outright. Instead, Biden's orders will institute a new framework for determining the national security risk of transactions that involved that involve apps that are connected to the governments or militaries of foreign adversaries like China or collect sensitive data from the U.S. consumers. So yet again, we see that Biden canceled something that Trump did. What a surprise. Uh, the reason why Trump put a ban on this is because he wanted to keep the Americans safe. He, there were rumors that TikTok and, and these other Chinese apps were taking data from the United States and were going straight to the Chinese government. And those those rumors were actually proven to be true. And Trump took a look at that and he said, no, I'm going to stop that. And he stopped that. And, and, and we see Biden is now he's just going to cancel what Trump did and instead have a task force to figure this thing out. It's it's ridiculous, right? We see that Biden gave China just a little, just some wiggle room, quote unquote wiggle room. We're, we're seeing that right now. And it, it's stupid and it's sad. It, it's ridiculous to see. I don't know what this is. I think I, I chances are this is kind of like, oh, hey, China, we want to be your best friend. And, and yeah, you can have this. You can have that back. And, and you you can do what you were doing. But I'm going to let you know we're going to have a task force. And, and, and they're going to keep an eye on you. It's ridiculous. Come on. So you know how last week we were talking about Fauci's emails? Uh, one of the emails that I, I think is really important to really talk about, and the House Republicans think it's really important to talk about, is a conversation between Zuckerberg and Fauci. And so according to Fox Business, top Republicans on the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees penned a letter to Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg Wednesday asking for the company to hand over communication between Zuckerberg Facebook employees. Dr. Anthony Fauci, and other health officials. The request comes after emails between Fauci and Zuckerberg obtained by BuzzFeed News show Zuckerberg soliciting help from the nation's top infectious disease experts to promote access to reliable health information for its users. Lawmakers want to know if Fauci influenced Facebook's decisions to ban posts from users questioning the origins of COVID-19 claiming the virus was engineered. As it looks like right now, kind of on a, on a side note, it does look like it was engineered. Uh, with that being said, I mean, this is an important question we have to ask. Um, did Fauci influence uh, Zuckerberg? And, and if they did, I think Fauci needs to step down. I think he needs to step down. Uh, I, and it's not Fauci's... Uh, I don't know how, how to word this is... You know this whole thing with the lab leak, right? Theory, the lab leak theory. More, more as more and more time are coming on, goes on. That theory is is kind of proving to be a fact right now. But oh yeah, it does. It has ended up to be a lab leak. And so I think the question is: If Fauci did influence Facebook to say no, if someone says it's a lab leak to ban him, to ban that post, and and to put a mark on that user, I think first off, I think yeah. I think Fauci should step down. I think he should step down for sure. I think Zuckerberg should step down as well. And and I think that they, Facebook needs to reinstate those who they banned because they posted that post. 
I think that's one thing that they need to do. I think that's one big step to regaining the trust of the Americans. Because right now, I think a lot of Americans have lost their trust with Facebook uh, and with the CDC if Fauci has influenced Facebook to do such a thing. The Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is still under fire. Uh, according to Fox News, Chicago mayor Lori Lightfoot t- took aim Friday at the discrimination lawsuit filed against her by the Daily Caller News Foundation, DCNF, and defended her widely panned interview policy that discriminated against white reporters. The far-left Democrat stated during an appearance on CNN that the lawsuit was quote-unquote frivolous and attempted to justify her policy only granting interviews to minority reporters by claiming she, quoted, started a long overdue conversation about diversity in newsrooms, end quote. In an apparent swipe at the lawsuit and the criticism of Lightfoot over the interview policy, anchor John Berman noted that he was a quote-unquote white guy, but that he was still conducting the interview. Berman also pointed out that the policy was effective for allegedly only one day. Quote, well, the lawsuit is completely frivolous. I'd use a more colorful term if we weren't on TV. And quote, Lightfoot responded, quote, But here's the thing. I'm the mayor of the third largest city in the country. I'm an African-American woman, to state the obvious. Every day when I look at across my, out across my podium, I do not see who uh, people... Who look like me, but more to the point, I don't see people who reflect the richness and diversity of the city. End quote. So this is the reason why she would respond to CNN is quite honestly because they would take it easy on her, right? I think I don't know if this is just my theory. Um, if if someone if a Democrat is under fire, you're more likely to see him on CNN because CNN is going to take a light take it lightly on them and say, oh, okay, did you really say, you know, and try and make it look like she, this politician didn't even say such a thing, didn't even get the, that backlash. And, and that's what you'll see on CNN and a lot of these far left uh, news outlets. If she was on Fox News, it would have been a completely different story. It would have been a completely different story. I think the main question is, okay, why did you do this? Do you think this is racist? Do you think this is discrimination? And why? And I think it would have been a really good conversation. But in the end, I think you would have seen a lot of harder questions on Fox News and Newsmax thrown to the mayor instead of how CNN did it. And and CNN just made it look, again, they made it, they tried to sweep it under the rug. They tried to help the, this politician out. Well, if you take a look at Fox News, I think it would have been a completely different story. So there's actually rumors going around right now that uh, Trump is eyeing a, a congress- congressional seat for Florida. And this was actually a Newsmax segment. And so I, you know, I think this is very, very smart. I, I said this before. I'm like, I'm, su- I'm surprised Trump isn't eyeing a congressional seat. That's the first thing I would have done is, okay, if I'm no longer a president, I would have I congrats Congress or Senate. That's what I would have done. And so I think this is a really good idea, theory, I guess you can say. I don't know how accurate this is. I guess we're just going to have to wait until a few uh, months uh, to see if this is true or not. But it's very, it's very smart. And the reason why I think it's very smart is because there's no doubt we're going to see Kamala Harris become the president of the United States. No doubt in my mind. I, I think Biden is just a pawn right now. And I think eventually Biden is going to announce, hey, yeah, I, I'm not fit for this. And 
I'm going to step down and Kamala Harris is going to take over. There's no doubt in my mind we're going to see that happen. And I think Kamala Harris is going to do something stupid. I, I believe she's either going to try and take away one of our amendments. Uh, I think she's going to try and take away the right uh, our the right to carry arms, bear and carry arms. I think that's the one amendment she's going to try and eliminate. And because of that, I think we're going to see her get impeached for that. Now, because she would get impeached because of that, the Speaker of the House would then become the President of the United States. So, with that being said, if in 2022 Trump won the uh, won a congressional seat, chances are, and excuse me, and if the Congress and and the Senate, well, not really the Senate, but you know, chances are that both the Congress and the Senate are going to become turn red, become a, a conservative majority, become conservative that's what i'm trying to say sorry guys but if that happens chances are they would elect trump to be the speaker of the house and with that being said you know the if they impeach kamala harris and trump would become the president that way so i think it's it's kind of a good theory i think it's a lot of thinking and, and stuff going on um you know that's what i've said i've said that i believe that we're going to see a f it's going to be an interesting year right or interesting years i should say because there's no doubt in my mind kamala harris is going to become president there's no doubt in my mind she's going to be impeached and there's no doubt in my mind that the speaker of the house would become the president now if that's nancy pelosi then it's nancy pelosi but you know i think either way it's we're going to see a whole bunch of different people become the president of the united states kind of just by this this theory uh but again it's just a rumor We'll see if this rumor is it's going to happen or not. I won't be surprised to see if this happens. Um, we kind of see that uh, Trump has been working in the background, and, and what do I mean by working in the background? Well, he's just giving a stamp his stamp of approval to these politicians who are running for Senate or or Congress. And yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say on that. It's just a rumor. We'll see what happens. We actually see a border state take action. And so uh, Abbott announced a plan to build the border wall under under Texas, right? Not under Trump, under Biden, but under Texas. So according to The Hill, the Republican Texas governor, Greg Abbott, has announced that the state will build a wall along its southern border with Mexico, sparking criticism from human rights and immigration advocacy groups. Citing the Biden administration's rollback of Trump-era immigration policies, Abbott announced the border wall plans amid other security measures, including plans for Texas to construct its own detention centers and $1 billion of the state's budgets being allocated to border security. Abbott also declared that more undocumented immigrants will be arrested and sent to local jails versus being turned over to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE. So good for Greg Abbott, uh, uh, good for Texas, and and we see yet again that these people are getting tired. These people are getting tired of people crossing the United States illegally and the Biden administration doing nothing. And so we see that instead their state is taking action. And, and great job for Abbott. I think we're going to call this the Biden and Abbott wall if and when, when and if it's complete, uh, the border wall is complete. I think that's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it the, the Abbott 
and, and a Trump wall, it's not going to even be called the Biden wall because, to be honest, Biden didn't do anything. He just canceled it. And, yeah, it'll be – he just canceled it. And, and it's sad to see that because there were a whole bunch of jobs on this. So great job for Texas – uh, and Abbott taking control of this and great job for giving for creating more jobs. Hopefully those jobs will happen and, and hopefully people will accept those jobs. Recent studies have shown that if you had COVID-19, you don't need to get the vaccine. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm just kidding. That's not crazy talk. That's 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 kind of obvious is if you've already gotten that sickness, you don't need to get the vaccine. So here's what WBRC said. A new study shows that some people who had COVID-19 may not need to get vaccinated. But not everyone agreed with the study's findings. Alabama health leaders said the study is interesting, but they are not ready to say if you had and recovered from COVID-19, you do, don't need a shot. The study was conducted on 52,000 healthcare workers at the Cleveland Clinic. It found no, no COVID infection among those who were vaccinated as well as those who had the coronavirus earlier and were not vaccinated. I read through that study, and I have a few issues with it, said Dr. Wesley Wilford with the Jefferson County Department of Health. Uh, Dr. Wilford with the Jefferson County Department of Health said the sample size was small for those who had COVID and were unvaccinated at just over 2,500. He added healthcare workers are also not representative of the general population in the healthcare system. They are going to have access to appropriate high-quality personal protective equipment that is meant to prevent infections with things like COVID-19, Williford said. People who had COVID developed antibodies to protect them in the future, Williford said. There is still no evidence to show how long that immunity. There's still not enough evidence to show how long that immunity lasts. First off, our body's amazing. God, uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? God created us. It's it's amazing to see that and so intricately he created us. I think a really good example of this is someone had had the Spanish flu, overcame it, right? And and they tested that person years later, years, and I mean years later, when that person was in you know, in their eighties and se- or seventies, and they tested him to see if they still if he that person still had the antibodies to fight it, the immunity to fight it, and sure enough he did. And so with that being said. There's going to be more and more studies on this, and I think, and I truly believe that those facts, that the the data that these studies are going to show, is that even if you had COVID nineteen, you don't need the vaccine because you already have the antibodies. I believe that's what it's going to talk about. So, you know, for those who had COVID nineteen and didn't get the vaccine and is contemplating on it. Just wait. I would say just wait and take a look. And eventually, these uh, studies are going to show that, yeah, you actually do have the antibodies and you don't need to get the vaccine. You don't need to do that. Uh, There was a doctor on on Crowder who even talked about this too. He's like, yeah, there's two studies that show right now that even if you had COVID-19, you shouldn't get the vaccine because you already have the antibodies and you don't need to get the vaccine. So studies are going to be in our favor, and we just need to be patient for these other studies to kind of pop up. But eventually, you know, we won't need it. And, and yeah, I strongly believe that for sure. 
that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all of the above. On the side note, first I have two things. This is um, the first thing is hallway theology. The podcast is uh, hallway theology is finally out. The first episode is out, and I hope you guys would would give that a listen. The next episode they're recording tomorrow. I don't know if it'll be out tomorrow. It's it's not my podcast. It's my friend CJ's podcast. So I don't know if he's going to post it tomorrow or what. But episode two is coming out soon. And that's the first thing. The second thing is no episode of Coffee in the News next week. I'm kind of going to take a little fast from the news and relax a little bit and, and freshen my mind. And uh, so, yeah, no new episode next week, but a new episode next next week. Yeah. So, yeah, again, just thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and, and do all of the above. And I will talk to you all in a few, uh, in a couple weeks.